This is Taekwon Lewis. You're listening to Dash to the Draft on Sports Crunch. Welcome back to Sports Crunch with D. Crom, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, David Cromelo. Hope you all had a happy Easter and a happy Passover. Today, we bring you the second-to-last position group breakdown for our 2018 Dash to the Draft series. Last year's running back class is shaping up to be one to remember. Although two running backs, Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey to be exact, went in the first round and went on to enjoy productive seasons, the 2017 league rushing champion, Kareem Hunt, and the 2017 Offensive Rookie of the Year, Alvin Kamara, were steals in the third round. In addition, the electric Tariq Cohen, who was selected in the fourth round, is turning out to be a very special playmaker. But as I've been saying for months on this program, this 2018 running back class boasts very similar value and potential to last year's. And to help us analyze this gifted crop of runners, it is a pleasure to welcome our good friend Bill Carroll back to the program. Bill writes for ProPlayerInsiders.com and NutsAndBoltsSports.com and also runs his own scouting service, Consensus Draft Services. How are you, Bill? I am ship-shape in Dover fashion. I hope you're doing well also. I'm doing well as well. Thank you, Bill. I just can't wait for this draft to come. We're uh, 24 days away to be exact. And uh, and given all the suspense, especially at the top, just can't wait for all the, the smoke to go away and for us to finally get our answers. Well, the great thing about any game of chance, and to some extent that's what the draft is, a game of chance. It is a game of chance where some approach it very analytically. It's a game of chance where you're looking, hopefully, to manage risk in a way that brings you the greatest reward with the least amount of pain. But some of it is controllable and some of it's not. You get to see a real insight into the thinking of a franchise based on how it treats the draft. Most definitely, and without further ado, let's talk about this game of chance as far as the running backs are concerned, starting with the guy that has been on the top of draft boards since last spring, and that is Saquon Barkley, and many believe the Penn State phenom is both the best overall prospect in this draft and a -a once-in-a-generation talent. However, I've run into a few on draft Twitter that I respect that have countered that belief by pointing to Barkley's underwhelming vision and lack of power in his runs despite his ridiculous lower body strength. Uh, He does a 405-pound power clean, just to let you all know. That's how strong he is in his lower body. And many who view Saquon Barkley in the former light have compared him to Hall of Famers Barry Sanders and LaDainian Tomlinson, whereas people who view him in the latter light have said he's another Reggie Bush or Felix Jones type of player. What is your view of Saquon Barkley? Well, as always, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. His career is more likely to resemble that of someone like Quentin Portis or Ronnie Brown. He is a bead back with power, not a power back. Is he capable of generating power? Ohio State would say yes. He broke about 50 tackles in that game. So what people are looking for or expecting is a little bit different. When a guy is that strong, Here's another player you might want to think of in terms of the careers like to have, Johnson Stewart. So while it might not be a generational kind of career, and of course the game has changed, running backs don't get 34, 35 carries. I mean, I, I watched Wilder, James Wilder back with Tampa Bay, you know, get 34, 35 carries a game practically every week, the good Lord sent. Those days are gone. You might get 25 to 28 touches, but nowadays eight or six of those touches are in the passing game, and then you might get 20 or 18 in the running game. That's what's changed. He's also a very good receiver. Now, he's not Marshall Falk. He's not special as a route runner. He doesn't have wide receiver hands. 
But is he a very good receiving running back? Yes. Does he have power and speed? Yes. Is he capable of making cuts and jukes that are rare? Yes. These are all things that are beyond dispute. What he is not is one of those people that redefines or changes the way you see the running back position. He's not Marshall Falk. He's not Eric Dickerson. He's not O.J. Simpson. He's not Jim Brown. People throw on ter- terms like generational a little too easily nowadays because of what I call grade inflation in the draft. I, don't, I wonder what some people would have done if they'd seen Reggie White in his prime, if they'd seen the 83 draft class and the running and the, all the – I mean, people for, always talk about the, um, the quarterbacks, but look at the running backs in that draft class. So to people who throw on terms like generational, I would just urge watch more players. And you'll probably be a little less likely to throw on those terms quite easily. But is he a really great running back? The answer is yes. Is he going to have a long, successful NFL career? The answer is most likely yes. Yes. And uh, where would you rank Saquon Barkley in relation to uh, the previous running backs that have gone in the first round, like Todd Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott, and Leonard Fournette, and Christian McCaffrey? Where does he lie on that spectrum compared to those other four? In my mind, he's ahead of all of them except Gurley. And why is that? Well, Gurley and he have a lot of the same qualities, but and unfortunately we didn't get a chance to see Gurley run a 40 because he was still recovering from injury. But what I can tell you based on Gurley's track background, at one point he held a record for the 110 hurdles for his age group in the United States and was a junior Olympian in that, that event. I think he has a greater second gear, meaning that they'd probably be about dead if they were running against each other, probably be about dead set, like head-to-head at about the 25-yard mark. And I believe between 25 and 60 yards, Gurley would pull away. They would probably run very similar 40, but if they ran 100 yards, which obviously you don't do very often nowadays, but if they ran 100 yards, I can almost guarantee that Gurley would win. He is a, a guy that has that great long speed. And the 40, people talk about long speed. The 40 doesn't really measure long speed. The 40 measures sustenance of that initial burst and acceleration. So, you drive like crazy, run very, very hard for 20 yards, and you try to sustain it for the last 20 yards, and you slowly are slowing down. Most football players are. Now, that's what's service from the track athlete. A real track athlete is still accelerating at the 40-yard mark. You say Bolt's not close to the top speed at 40 yards, but most football players are. Thank you very much for that uh, analysis there, Bill. And there will be at least two running backs off the board in the first round. Uh, one is obviously Saquon Barkley, and the other is LSU's Darius Geis. And there's some buzz going around that some teams actually have Geis as their top running back on their board. How big do you think the gap is between Saquon Barkley and Darius Geis? I think it's measurable. I think there's a, a, a demonstrated difference between the two. And I think that Barkley's more likely to have a longer career. The guys who run to contact, and obviously they're exceptions, but they tend to have shorter careers than the guys that, that try to break out into the broken field and make people miss. Dice is a guy that thrives almost on physical contact. And I'll just mention one of my favorite running backs growing up was number 43, Larry Brown, who was part of that last draft class of the late, great Vince Lombardi when he moved on from Green Bay and started coaching again in Washington. And Larry Brown was 5'9 and 203 pounds, but ran like he was 230 pounds. And he was one of the best running backs in the league for about three years. But he had a very precipitous drop-off because of the contact. People talk about touches and carries. That's not what wears down a running back. It's hits that wears down a running back. So a guy can have a lot of touches and carries, but if he doesn't take big hits, he's going to continue to have a long career. Tiki Barber, the last two years of his career were the best two years of his career because of the type of running back he was. But I don't think Geis is that type of running back. I think he's going to be very good for about five or six years and then drop off very sharply. 
And I think Barkley has a chance to have a 12-year career because he manages that was exactly the point you brought up on the last time you were on the show to break down the running back class this time last year. And do you think Darius Geis is worthy of a top 15 to 20 pick? No. And he's a very good running back, but how different is he from a lot of other running backs with that? He and Sonny Michelle are essentially the same person. Why wouldn't I wait another round to get Sonny Michelle? Ooh, very good point. And speaking of Sony Michelle, uh, let's talk about him. He and Ronald Jones of USC are two other running backs that could sneak into the back half of the first round. And both are the quintessential modern-day NFL satellite backs, given their explosiveness in space. What are some of the major differences in their game, as well as similarities, between uh, Ronald Jones and Sony Michelle? Sure. Well, I like them both, but I have actually Rashad Penny ahead of both of them, but we'll talk more about him later, I guess. So... In Sonny Michelle, you have another one of those powerful, explosive, but smaller, not smaller. I mean, he's, he's a decent-sized running back, but he's not huge. Uh, he has a, a muscular frame, but he's not a giant exactly. He's not 230 pounds, I guess is what I'm driving at. He's a guy who probably will need to be a little smarter about managing contact if he wants to have a very long career. But the good news is that he is very shifty. Uh, he can make people miss. He just sometimes chooses not to. He has good but not great second-level acceleration. So he's not a guy who's going to run away from cornerbacks. He'll run away from linebackers. And I guess it depends on how athletic the safety is. He might run away from some of them. But obviously guys like Earl Thomas are going to, are going to catch him. He catches the ball well. All of the Georgia backs are very well coached in all phases of the game. They all know how to blitz protect. They all can catch. They all can run. They all have good vision. They all have good power. They're very complete. But they don't have that special quality that separates we talk about Barkley or some of the other backs. They don't have a, one special quality, but they're all very good. Ronald Jones is a bit more of a question mark. Here's a guy whose great selling point was speed, and he hasn't been able to ever be time in a 40. So you're just having to trust your eyes, basically. And that happens. I mean, we didn't ever get one on Gronkowski, and there's a few other guys who never had really a, an official 40 on. That having been said, he's had a, a very poor draft process to this point. There have been people who have noted that they, he hasn't always been the most gracious or the most humble going throughout the process. He pulled a hamstring during his first run, and you know that's how he got that 4.66, which we all know he's faster than that, but we don't know exactly how much faster. So if it turns out he would have run a 4.54, and here's the guy whose major selling point is, is long speed, that would be a bit of a concern in your mind. I don't think he finds a way into the first round. Now, obviously, anything can happen. I think he's a second rounder. And I think probably the same is true with Michelle. I think he's probably a mid-second rounder also. Uh, yes, I've heard mixed reports on Ronald Jones, uh, including ones along the line that you just shared with us, and it's going to be very interesting to see where he ends up at the end of the day. And uh, both uh, Ronald Jones and Sony Michelle have had some interesting player comps thrown their way. Uh, Ronald Jones has drawn a lot of Jamal Charles comparisons, and Sony Michelle has drawn a lot of comparisons to a guy I just mentioned at the top of the broadcast in Alvin Kamara. Do you see legitimacy in either of those comps? I don't think he's as quick as Kamara, if we're talking about Michelle, I think he might be as fast. And of course, we've talked about the difference. Fast is the ability to simply accelerate in a single direction, while quickness is the ability to decelerate and reaccelerate and change direction often while doing so. And I think Kamara is superior in terms of the second quality, which is quickness. And Kamara has better hands. They're both good receivers, but Kamara is, you know, once again, he's not quite Marshall Falk, but he's a heck of a lot closer to that than a guy like Tony Michelle is. And what I will tell you, based on the running match we just discussed, if you're going to try to compare someone to Jamal Charles, they need to show they actually have a lead. And we don't actually know that for a fact with Ronald Jones. 
we can project and we can hope and we can, we can once again, go back to the tape and things like that. But we don't know for sure if he has that kind of speed. Jamal Charles was a, a sub 4-4 guy. We don't know if that's what Ronald Jones is. I mean, even, you know, Chris Johnson is a comparison that is something applied to Ronald Jones. Once again, I mean, an extremely fast person. And we just don't know if he has that kind of speed. I, I will have to withhold judgment. I mean, I see more of a Frank Gore type, quite frankly, in a guy like Tony Michelle than I see someone like Kamara. Though Kamara is not a terrible comparison. Kamara just seems to me like a guy who has greater ability to stop, reaccelerate, and change direction. Thank you very much once again for that analysis, Bill. And uh, Sony Michelle isn't the only running back from Georgia in this draft. We can't forget about his stablemate, Nick Chubb. Even though Chubb still hasn't quite regained that form he had prior to that devastating knee injury, he had a very strong 2017 campaign with 1,345 rushing yards and 15 touchdowns, and he also tested very well at the combine, specifically in the vertical jump where he posted a 38.5-inch vertical and the broad jump where he jumped 128 inches. And if his medicals come back clean, when at the earliest would you consider drafting Nick Chubb? Once again, I think he has a chance to go in the second round. I think you're going to see a run on running backs in the second and third round. And what I will say about the type of running backs we're discussing, where we're trying to find that quote-unquote three-down back, Nick Chubb is basically a made-to-order three-down back. And he's a better version of Donald Brown. Uh, Donald Brown was a guy that was super productive in college, had a certain amount of toughness, decent speed, classic running back build. Sonny Michelle and Nick Chubb are similar to each other in a lot of ways as well. But Chubb is just, in my mind, I saw Chubb ahead of Michelle. I know it's become sort of the, the, the thing nowadays to flop the two and now have Michelle ahead. I do not. I've always thought Nick Chubb was a slightly better talent. And if he does come back all the way from that knee injury, I think he goes from being slightly better to, to measurably better. So I like Chubb's dealing with uh, hits or avoiding hits better or not taking a, as hard a hit. He has a better sense of how to take away the kill shot angle. And even if he has to take the hit, he has learned maybe from hard experience from having taken a severe injury earlier in his career how to make sure that he does not get re-injured. I think he has a really good intelligence about taking away the power of the hit. So I've always really thought that, I mean, it's funny, Chubb was almost everyone's sort of number one back at one point. And I think a lot of people fell off of him at least part once again because of the knee. I think he's going to come back at some point, close to 100% at least, and be a very good running back for a very long time. I certainly hope that as well. And you mentioned uh, Rashad Penny of San Diego State, the guy who led the nation in rushing last year with 2,248 yards. And uh, he started to climb up draft boards last fall. He is more explosive than many believe for his 220-pound size. Uh, however, there's some in the draft community that do not see him as a top 60 talent uh, because of his upright running style and the what-you-see-is-what-you-get perception they have of him. And you mentioned you have Rashad Penny ranked ahead of both Sony Michelle and Ronald Jones. Correct. Why is that? Because he's better, and I'll tell you why. Uh, we're talking once again about the ability to do everything that you want an NFL running back to do. He is a bit more complete, and once again, he's shown he can carry the load. And if you go back to the year before he became the man, he still managed to come up with over a thousand yards in rushing. 400 and some odd yards in receiving, and then had another, I think, 400 and some odd or 500 yards in, in returning. He was one of the top guys in total yards the year before he was a starter, almost like Barry Sanders did when he was waiting behind Thurman Thomas. When you find a guy who can produce like that, 
on limited touches. And then when he's asked to be the man, he steps up and leads the entire nation. That tells you two things. One is he knows how to maximize his opportunities when he doesn't have a lot of them. And two, he knows how to manage himself when he does have a lot of touches. Add to the fact that he understands at a very high level how to handle the protection. He's in a, I mean, nobody's in a truly pro-style offense, but he's asked to do a lot of NFL-type things as a running back in the San Diego State offense that believes pretty much in things that are close to the NFL. They go under center a fair amount. There's a, a good amount of the running back being asked to block linebackers and occasionally even linemen in a few times. Uh, I've seen him do it. And while it's not something you would like to have him do in terms of especially some of the bigger guys he's been asked to pick up, he's very good at it and better than most in this draft class. He has very good hands. And once again, I mentioned he was a top flight return specialist before he took over being the, the, the number one running back. So that shows you awareness, quickness. It shows you excellent vision. There's never been a great return man who didn't have excellent vision. So he's a complete package. He has size, power, speed. I mean, what do you want? <laughs> he should, frankly, be in the discussion for RB1. Well, maybe RB2. I mean, obviously, Barkley has a little has a better speed. Uh, but, but he's not that different from Barkley. Yes, he definitely is a multifaceted weapon. As I saw with my own two eyes at the Senior Bowl, you could uh, send him on like a 60-yard wheel route and you could uh, place it in the bucket and he could take it all the way to the house. And as you mentioned, on kick returns as well, uh, he's valuable there. He is that multifaceted weapon that compares only to Saquon Barkley in this running back class. And now let's move on to one of our favorite games of this program. It is called Buy or Sell, in which I just name a prospect we haven't discussed yet. And you tell us whether you buy or sell their draft stock and long-term potential, starting with Kalen Balaj of Arizona State, another guy who I saw at the Senior Bowl. Buy or sell? Well, I guess it depends on what you mean by buy. If you mean as him being the guy, the number one running back, I'm going to say sell. If you want to have him in a quote-unquote running back by committee, um, then I would say buy. I would sell him as a number one back. I would buy him as part of a committee. Yes, and another guy uh, that could have a very similar committee role, Nyheim Hines, or uh, forgive me if I mispronounced that name, of North Carolina State. Would you buy him as a potential Giovanni Bernard-type running back? If, you're, yeah, if that's your vision for him, then I would buy all day long. Nyheim Hines is a guy who is essentially a slot receiver and could be one of the better slot receivers in this draft class if we were evaluated as such. Much like with Penny, he gives you a big boost in your return game. He's an excellent returner, a top-flight sprinter, which means he has elite-level speed. He's not just fast. He has elite-level speed. If he gets in the open field, he will not be caught from behind. So he gives you big play potential. He just doesn't have the frame nor the running back background that would allow him to take on, you know, 18, 20, 22, 24 carries. But once again, if we're talking about as part of a committee, I'm buying all day long. How about Karrion Johnson of Auburn, buy or sell? Once again, it comes back to the role you have in mind. If you think he's going to be the number one running back, your guy. I mean, I've heard people throw out comparisons like Le'Veon Bell, and I'm not trying to be mean or anything. And Le'Veon Bell is a guy that obviously surprised many of us. I didn't see him becoming what he became, at least in part because he lost a significant amount of weight. He was playing at 244 pounds much of his career at uh, at Michigan State. Now he's walking around about 218 pounds. So he's a radically, you know, between 218 and 226 pounds. So he's a different person physically. 
But Carrion Johnson is not quite as refined as Le'Veon Bell. He, what, he, what he has in common is he is a very patient runner. He doesn't have quite the speed nor the power that Bell has now. He's probably close to the speed Bell had at about 244 pounds. But he's a good running back. And once again, if you envision him as part of a, a two or three back committee, I would buy. If you're thinking he's going to be the guy who has 80% of your touches, I'm selling. How about John Kelly of Tennessee? Uh, he could be an elite third down back, in my opinion. Do you buy or sell? I like him a great deal. And I think he might even be more than a third down back. I don't know if he'll ever be a – I mean, he might be Joseph Adai, but a little bit slower. So I think even in some situations, he might be able to be the guy, the guy who has maybe maybe 80% of your touches as a running back, but he might be able to carry 60% of your touches as a running back. He's a guy who really knows, once again, how to avoid taking the big shot. Uh, he has good initial acceleration, doesn't have the great long speed, and above average power for his size. And Royce Freeman of Oregon, do you buy or sell? Some people see him as a potential uh, lead back in a committee. I would buy all day long on Royce Freeman. I don't know quite why people have fallen out of love with him. Like Chubb, he at one point was in the running for RB1, if you want to go back a couple of years, and a variety of things, including a, a series of nagging injuries and just Oregon losing its way to some extent as a program, I think led to him sticking around all the way through to his senior year. But I'm not one of those people that worry so much about quote-unquote tread on the tires. As I've said before, every great running back has a lot of touches. So I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about, once again, the kill shot. And he's not super elusive, so he's taking some shots. That worries me just a tiny bit. But would I take him over some of the backs I've heard people touting? Yes. I think he's a better back than Carrion Jones. I would take him in the early fourth, maybe even the late third, depending upon the kind of team I had. I think he's going to end up being a solid running back for several years. I could see him having a seven to nine year career. And another running back that uh, saw his draft stock fall this year due to injury, but still uh, you can't deny the talent, Mark Walton of Miami, buy or sell? If we're talking about him as your Ahmad Bradshaw, we're talking about him as your uh, I mean, there's a lots of running backs sort of like him. As your Amir Abdullah type or your um, – oh, all the running backs in Detroit, um, whatever the same guy. Um, if you see him in that role, then yes. I, I don't think he'll ever be more than that. You've mentioned someone being a third down back. This is someone who's sort of made to order third down back. If you see him as a 12 to 15 – Duke Johnson, right? If you see him as a 12 to 15 touch guy, I could see him having a long, successful career. I don't think he'll ever be more than that. How about a guy just up the road from us, Justin Jackson of Northwestern, buy or sell? I think Justin Jackson is slightly better than Mark Walton. I know Walton, for whatever reason, got a lot of love from various people, but I've watched both of them fairly extensively. And Jackson has shown, one, he's more durable. Two, he's actually slightly more athletic. I don't know, maybe it's the Miami thing that people assume guys are, are great national athletes. Walton's not a superior athlete. Justin Jackson is actually a slightly better athlete. He's more powerful than people think. Now, I probably wouldn't want to have him take on 25 carries a game because I think he would wear down. But he's had 25 and 28 carry games in the Big Ten and has been superior in terms of durability. He's a guy who's not missed time due to injury. He's 
fought through a few little nagging things, but has never had a bad injury that, that caused him to miss games. He's, well, I hate to play into the scary set, but he is very smart. He's very well coached. I think that he could easily, uh, once again, fall to the fifth because, because people don't respect the program as much as they should. It's a much better program than people realize. He's going to end up hanging around, maybe never as more than part of a committee again, but for a long time and be a productive one. I completely agree. He's going to be tremendous value for whoever gets him on day three of the draft. And another guy who has been making a lot of noise during the pre-draft process, Philip Lindsay of Colorado, buy or sell? I'm buying him, but I'm not buying him. I'm not, I'm not going to pay a lot for him. I can find that exact same guy, frankly, as an undrafted free agent. And I can find that exact same guy later in the draft. He's not better than Marchez Carter. He's not better than – there's a long list of running backs that he's essentially the same or even maybe not quite as good as who I can get really late in the draft. So if I'm not having to pay too much, I'm more than willing to take him. But I'm taking him very late because I can find exactly that same kind of running back very late in the draft. And last but not least, a guy from the small school ranks that a lot in draft Twitter are enamored with, Chase Edmonds of Fordham, buy or sell. I'm buying him all day long. He's a better version of, of Lindsey in that he's bigger, more durable. If I wanted him to take on 20 carries in a game, I think he could do it. Here's the thing about Chase Essence. One is we talked about quickness versus speed. His speed is good. His quickness is elite. His quickness is elite. He has tremendous ability to start, stop, and change direction. He can accelerate and re-accelerate better than almost any other running back, maybe better than any running back in the entire class, but certainly amongst the top running backs in the class in terms of his ability to, to, to de-accelerate and re-accelerate, he may be number one. He is, once again, a tough guy. Even though he's not huge, he can, when he, he can take more punishment than you might imagine. He is, once again, like we mentioned with Justin Jackson, much more durable than even some of the bigger backs in the class. I would trust him to be my number two on a lot of teams. He's better than the number two running back that many teams have right now today. And I think if he makes it to the middle of day three, he's going to be one of the big steals in this plan. He is Bill Carroll, ladies and gentlemen. He writes for ProPlayerInsiders.com and NutsAndBoltsSports.com, and he also runs his own scouting service, Consensus Draft Services. Bill, it's a pleasure having you on the program. Thank you so much for joining us once again. But before you go, uh, I want to uh, – play another game uh, in which we find out some of the most ideal landing spots for some of these running backs in terms of teams. Starting with Saquon Barkley, which team do you think would be the most ideal landing spot for him? Well, the most ideal would be the Colts. Now, the question is if he makes it to them. A lot of people said the Giants, and while it's not a terrible landing spot, one is I don't think he'll go that high. And two, the Giants seem to have lost their way. They have a running back who could be their number one. They don't seem to recognize it. Hopefully they will throw their support behind only in Darkwa, and they will be pleasantly surprised that they allow him to get the lion's share of the touches. But the ideal length about my life is the Colts, where he would become their number one and their best running back they've had probably since, I don't know, Lydell Mitchell or Eric Dickerson or Falk, who they had briefly. How about Darius Geis? Detroit would be a good landing spot for him. I could also see him sharing touches with Dalvin Cook, though I don't think the Vikings are going to take a running back that early. Uh, Tampa Bay, obviously, is in the market for a running back. I don't think they're going to take him that early. 
Maybe if he makes it to them in the second, I think it'd be a great spot. They obviously, you know, cut ties with Doug Martin, and the running backs they've had have been unexceptional, I think would be a kind way to put it. He would revolutionize their running game. How about Ronald Jones? Well, that's an interesting one. Uh, Ronald Jones has, like I said, not exactly helped himself in the process. I think somewhere in the second, he would be a nice fit for maybe somebody like Cincinnati. He would be a nice fit for somebody in the second. Oakland is looking for, I mean, obviously they have Marshawn Lynch, but he's closer to the end than he is to the beginning, obviously. They're going to do transition to a, a real true number one of the future. He'd be, an, that'd be a nice fit for him, I think, as well. And Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle, once again, he could fit in a lot of different places, but I think he could be different things to different people. But uh, once again, Denver, I think, would be a nice spot for him. Uh, they have running backs, but I think he's different from the running backs that they already have. I could see him also being a nice – in the third round, if he makes it to Chicago. Chicago has a big running back in, in, in Howard, you know, Jordan Howard. And they have a little running back, as you, you mentioned, obviously, uh, when, they, when they got, you know, the, uh, you know, the freak um, – so, but he's a tight, not tiny, but he's, he's a smaller back. He would be their medium-sized back. That would complete their three-back rotation if he were to be slotted there with Chicago. Uh, he also, once again, if the Giants don't go running back early and wait a while, which I think would be wise, he could be a fit there. He most certainly could. And how about his Georgia stablemate, Nick Chubb? Yeah, I, as I mentioned, I'm a, I'm a fan of Chubb. I would love to see him land with a team like Pittsburgh, where they have an established number one who may be frankly greasing the skids uh, for him to leave the city. I think this is probably Le'Veon Bell last year as a Steeler, and I could see him starting initially as the as the number two, and then you know, if indeed Bell leaves at the end of the season, becoming the number one. And obviously, uh, if he makes it all the way to the end of the first round, which he probably will, and maybe even probably into the second. He might even make it to the end of the second round since there's so many good running backs he might fly. I mean, I would hate to see it happen because, you know, who wants to see the, the Patriots become even more formidable? But they haven't had a running back as good as him in quite some time. And most of the running backs have been, you mentioned sort of satellite back, most of the running backs have been, you know, guys like Burkhead and Deion Lewis and James White. They haven't had a guy who can thump it up there between the tackles you have to go back to like guys like Antoine Smith and, and Corey Dillon. So he would give them a physical presence in that running game. I mean, except for, I mean, like slower power backs, like, uh, well, obviously they've had guys like Garrett Blunt. But he, he brings more to the table than Blunt because he actually can, you know, break to the outside and run away from people. So he would give them the first full-service running back in many years. And last but not least, the guy who we both love, Rashad Penny. Well, I mean, not to sound like I'm, like I'm being funny, but he can go anywhere because you can use them so many different ways. But Washington would be an excellent landing spot for him. They have had lots of running backs. Many of them they've gotten in the draft, and they've each had sort of one thing they do well. They've been one-trick ponies to some extent. They haven't had a true – once again, you have to go back to Clinton Portis. They've had a full-service running back who could do everything, right? They've had lots of guys who were powerful, and they've had a few guys who were fast. They've had some guys who could really catch the ball. But here's someone who gives you everything, complete package. And he might be there in the third round, which to me is laughable if he makes it to the third round, but he certainly could. And once again, if somehow the Lions didn't go running back earlier, if they somehow got him in the third, they should, you know, 
probably pop a few bottles. <laughs> that would be a good night at the office for them. Uh, there's so many teams that could use him. I could see him being a fantastic fit with the Rams even. Now, the Rams obviously have their, their number one. But if you think about the one-two punch, they could have to, they could hammer you with Gurley. And then and they could go two back, right? Because Gurley also can oh, think about the terrifying things he could do. You could come out and look like a, a, a sort of traditional two-back set, and they both could go in motion, and now they're lining up both in the slot. You go from look like a power formation to a spread set. <laughs> terrifying. I mean, he could do so many things. I think he's going to be one of the great skills of this planet. I believe he is as well, and he is Bill Carroll, ladies and gentlemen. Consensus Draft Services. Catch his work at ProPlayerInsiders.com and NutsAndBoltSports.com. Bill, thank you so much once again for joining us today, and we look forward to having you on in the very near future. Excellent. And hopefully you'll come on doing a draft soon. I plan on it, man. I definitely plan on it sometime before the draft. And hope to see you then, Bill. And that's it for today here on Sports Crush with D-Crom. Stay with us these next three weeks as we churn out more and more content to get you ready for the draft. Also, be sure to check out the episode archive, including our 100th episode special, my interview with longtime NFL scout Greg Gabriel, as well as an up-to-date blog of mine at sportscrutch.com. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sportscrutch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like Bill, especially since there's never an off-season for talking football. For Bill Carroll, our producer Chris Broadhead, I'm David Cromwell saying so long, and of course, stay awesome. Stay awesome.